0: Welcome to Passion and Hustle Podcast, a platform for fresh and honest stories from successful entrepreneurs, self-driven freelancers, and motivated individuals that are here to help encourage you to hustle and turn your passion project into reality. In today's episode, we're excited to welcome a CEO, technical coach, and consultant who helps women entrepreneurs create world-class software. Our guest has the ability to erase the gap between the technology and business. She's worked on apps that have seen a million downloads on the first day and been featured in Apple retail stores around the globe. Today's episode will be hosted by myself, Alex Jones. So without any more suspense, we would love to welcome Maxine Cromer. Welcome, Maxine. How are you?
1: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm very good. I'm very good. So uh, to kick me straight off a little bit, could you possibly explain a little bit about your company, Menenia, and why the name and why you felt the world needed a platform like yours?
1: Yeah, of course. So we can start with the name because that's actually what most people also ask me about. Although not on the first, first go, usually it's a bit of a... <sighs> After a few weeks, they're like, actually, so what does your company name mean? And um, it stems from my nickname. I'm half Ethiopian and my family calls me Menen. And I was quite geeky early on. And so when I started making websites, I was about 11. And at the time, it was like a dream to have your own domain name. And so for Christmas, when I was 13, um, my dad gave me my, gave me a domain name. And he said, it'd be really fun if you could name it something after something personal. And of course, Menen was already taken, but then I kind of played around with the name and I got Menenia. So I've had that domain name for, gosh, almost 20 years now. Oh, wow. And I always knew that when I would start a company, it'd be called Menenia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so what we do, uh, as you mentioned, help women entrepreneurs in the tech space. Um, why that's important. I loved how you said important to the world, because to me, that's exactly what it is. Um The way I see it is, right, like, our kind of digital future is being built as we speak. It's quite intangible sometimes. And the people behind that are all kinds of people, but not enough women and not enough diversity. And it causes a whole range of different issues. Like, for example, Apple, when they initially released Apple Health, you know, didn't have – Uh, period tracking or that kind of functionality Uh, speech recognition is more likely to recognize male voices than you know female voices which once that tech then gets used in cars or in dictation apps and so on it causes another you know a whole series of other effects that are quite problematic so yeah I'm really passionate about getting more women and more diverse people in the world of tech
0: Lovely, love it. I love the fact that it's such a such a personal touch because instantly, you know, before we started this podcast, I was like, "Oh, can you just clarify the name because it's so obscure?" Like, it, it instantly caught my attention. But it's so nice to know there's such a nice story behind it. Um, Thanks. By, <laughs> no worries. And by the looks of things, you've had a very eclectic career. I've studied your LinkedIn, and you've you've had a range of a range of work experience. But could you tell us a little bit about your journey up until the point to where you are today?
1: Yeah, of course um like I mentioned I was into tech quite early on but it wasn't the only thing I liked I was a very curious person and um you know especially around you know, you know when I was going into university I was like am I going to do medicine am I going to do computer science uh, I even looked at open days at fashion schools so it was a I had a range of interest and I think that it's funny you said eclectic career because it must have come across in that <laughs> um So, I went with computer science purely because it was a short degree compared to medicine. And I thought, you know, I can have a range of different jobs with that. And little did I know that um, the iPhone was going to come out. And that really changed everything for me. I started developing iOS apps while still at university. And it gave it such a personal touch because you could hold it in your hands. You, you know, people were using it every day. Um, Now I would argue we're using it too much. But hey, (laughs) um, it was a world away from developing something like Excel (laughs) that you would ship on a CD-ROM like in two years' time, which I was never interested in being a developer. But because iOS made it so personal, I got really interested in that. And it also linked up to my interest in design, how people use things, um, and the kind of whole user experience side of things, which I didn't know was a field back then. So yeah, then then I started off my career, and it was basically a host of different things, from consulting to iOS development to um, my last full time job. I was a um, principal design technologist, where you might wonder what is that, uh, and it's basically uh, using you know code like real software to prototype experiences, so we can test them before we invest heavily in creating them. Um, which is exactly kind of where my different skills intersect. And I really, really enjoyed that. But it was quite difficult to get that role because a lot of companies don't have it as a job. It's very much you're either a software engineer or you're a designer. And that's something I really struggled with at the start of my career, because whenever I got into a job, I was always a bit of a jack of all trades running around doing multiple things. So yeah, that's a little bit like a whirlwind yeah, tour.
0: in a nutshell no I love that I think the thing that points out to me straight away is the fact that you said you were designing apps while at uni What? Well, um that's quite entrepreneurial to be honest what, what sort of apps were you designing
1: so I was working on a um app called beauty geek uh which I sadly did not stick with and you know I'm not one for regrets but if I have one it's probably that one um and what it allowed you to do was um scan a barcode of a beauty product in a shop, like shampoo or lipstick or whatever it is, and kind of compare it across different websites so you could see where there was an offer or where you might want to order it from. Uh, so, yeah, that's that was one of the first kind of start-to-finish apps that I got out onto the store.
0: Awesome, yeah, that sounds like fun. And so, so you said as well that you kind of, throughout your career, you've now cemented yourself in the tech industry, really. That's kind of where you found yourself, and that's where you're placed now. And you mentioned how it's quite a male-dominated and male uh, tailored kind of industry I guess but how have you able to navigate yourself through the tech industry and what are the main challenges you found getting into the position you've got is it has it been affected by the fact that you're a female
1: yes and I think in both positive and negative ways there have been challenges but as a woman weirdly enough you also stand out a bit more so people do remember you um, and I was able to kind of and you know without realizing Leverage that a bit at the start because I started speaking at conferences and people were like, oh, you were that, you know, that one girl that talked about this and that. And so that kind of helped me, especially when I was moving from job to job and so on, because I knew a lot of people in the space, like networking was, became in a weird way easier. But there have also been challenges. I personally, I found them earlier on, even so much as high school. I remember that I chose... I went to to school in in the Netherlands. So it's a slightly different system to A-levels and all that. But, you know, you had to pick your GCSE slash A-level subjects. And I was going for maths and physics and chemistry and all that stuff. And my teacher was a bit like, well, I'm not sure that, you know, you can do those subjects at that level. And I was like, what are you on about? I've got perfectly good grades. (laughs) And there were guys in my class that had lower grades than me that, you know, were absolutely fine to take them. And I had to take two backup subjects just in case I wouldn't be able to pass it. So I had to do extra work. <laughs> I kept oh, wow. those backup subjects and actually ended up doing fine in all of them. But, <laughs> you know, it wasn't until much later that I look back at that and think, gosh, that, you know, had I listened to them, just been like, oh, okay, fine, I won't do it. What would that have done? You know, it's. I'm glad I was kind of naive and stubborn enough to be like, fine, I'll do the extra subjects. But like, I want to do that. So I'm going to do it anyway, you know? So that that was a challenge. And then also the, that app I mentioned, Beauty Geek, when I went to WWDC, which is Apple's yearly developer conference, I met other people there and, you know, we're talking about our apps and I'd be like, oh, this is, you know, this is one that I made. And I'd be met with a lot of blank stares and they kind of didn't want to try it. And they were a bit like, oh, the phone is contagious. I can't possibly touch, <laughs> you know, the phone that, you know, has lipstick on it. And I'm like, well, you use shower gel, don't you? So... <laughs> So it's kind of small, small instances like that, but ultimately, you know, it is what it is and which isn't to say it's okay, but I don't know any different in a weird way. And I feel like I've been really lucky in being able to meet great people that advocated strongly and believed in my ability and that's really helped me, like I said, when I was moving from job to job or, you know, trying to progress within a company. And so I'm really grateful for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's quite surprising to hear that from such a young age, you have been steered clear from this industry. And yet, if anything, it's actually made you stronger, made you more resilient to actually prove to everybody and to prove to yourself and to prove to the people who said, don't do this, that you can do this. So, yeah, it's fantastic to hear, really. But um, what skills would you advise are kind of needed to shape and build a company within the tech landscape?
1: so many <laughs> um and not even just tech like I guess I can split it into I'm gonna split into three um the absolute most important skill and you actually just said it is resilience because it's gonna be an absolute roller coaster uh, doing something for yourself and so no matter what company what industry whatever um, it's just that resilience showing up every day and doing the best you can as well as making decisions, like being decisive, I think is really helpful. You don't wanna linger on decisions too much. Then there is just business, right? Like what is the language of business? What is uh, you know, marketing? How can you get it out there? Because I think as well, a lot of people think, oh, if I just make a great product, people will find it and they won't. (laughs) Um, Not off the bat usually, unless you somehow magically go viral, Uh, but that's pretty rare. So a good ability to sell and not in a pushy way necessarily, but I think it comes from understanding who it's for really, really well, and being able to speak to that on a really human level and having that connection um, that will help tremendously. And then when it comes to tech specifically, so I teach this concept called tech literacy, which actually is a bit about the language of tech, especially if it's not necessarily your field, but it's important to choose certain strategies very accordingly to what you're trying to achieve in your business and hire kind of the right people or employ the right technology. And I do notice that for people who aren't really into tech, they feel very hesitant. That, that feeling that tech is complicated doesn't seem to have really gone away, even though we use it all day every day. It's almost as if people are still Worried to accidentally delete a file, right? Like there's that (laughs) hesitancy feeling around it.
0: That is totally me. (laughs) Really? Yeah, yeah.
1: (laughs) Oh no. Okay. It can Um, be
0: sometimes.
1: (laughs) No, I I can relate to that, right? We all have that with with things that we're not as familiar with. So I think, especially as a founder entrepreneur in the tech space, you you do want to be comfortable with it. You don't have to be the one developing it necessarily. But comfortable enough that you're able to really make those decisions as i mentioned earlier des- deciding is quite a powerful thing to do and you'll need to do a lot of it in a business um, so understanding or being able to think about the consequences of you know what effect does this have if i choose or if like even people that you're working with that are very techy, like being able to communicate with them appropriately so you can think about consequences and try and make the best decision possible
0: yeah yeah that's the thing really because when it comes to starting a business in the tech industry um, it's not just having an understanding of the tech industry, it's also having an understanding of business because starting a business in any senses, always comes with challenges. But kind of what, what support would you advise entrepreneurs have in place before taking the plunge? Not necessarily to do with the tech industry, but just starting a business in, in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Two things, self-support and other people's support, which are both not really anything, that's just random words. But <laughs> it can be quite lonely starting your own company, uh, even if you have co-founders and so on, you know, it's very different than I think being at uni or school where there's always people around you, like you're in a classroom, there's always someone to talk to or riff ideas off with and, you know, that feeling of community. Also when you're at a job, um, you know, oftentimes there's colleagues and other people around you and then suddenly when you are just on your own or just you and two, three other people, it becomes very difficult sometimes to, to make, to think things through and you can get very stuck in your head. So joining any type of community for founders or entrepreneurs, I think is is really, really helpful. And possibly even not just entrepreneurs, because um, also people who or communities that are interesting to you, that allow different perspectives on the product or business that you're working on, right? So say that you are Working on a skincare tech product, right? You could be in the tech entrepreneur space, but you could also join communities that are just around skincare. Um, So, having people around you, and then at the same time, also really strengthening that muscle of self support and being able to get yourself out of a pickle because you're going to go down these rabbit holes in your head, (laughs) you're going to get confused, you're going to unfortunately lose a bit of confidence here or there and be like oh man I had a really bad day or that didn't work out so being able to lift yourself out of that and give yourself that pep talk so you're not just reliant on people around you to feel better but you can do that for yourself um is is really helpful
0: Yeah, that's really encouraging to hear. Thank you so much for that, because I think a lot, of, a lot of students listening are going to relate, really, because starting a business definitely is lonely, but, you know, kind of the point I think you're making is if you're starting a business in tech or starting a business in food, if you're starting a business, you're still at the same level, essentially. So, yeah, just building a community around you is, is definitely good. Um, and also, how how have you kind of, well, on top of starting a business being difficult, starting a business in a pandemic or having a business and holding onto it throughout the pandemic can be challenging. So how have you managed to steer the business in the current climate over the past year and a half?
1: Yeah, I think I've been really lucky because um, my business is mostly online. Um, and as the world was going online, it, it almost opened up more possibilities. I was able to do certain things, give certain trainings and workshops more easily. But also um, what I consciously decided to do is, so I started this business three, three odd years ago, Um, And I worked alongside it only until three months ago because I didn't want to, I wanted the business to have the time it needed to figure itself out, to grow, to pivot slightly, to, you know, no, very few businesses are successful right at the start. And it always looks that way because you'll hear this overnight success story, but usually there's a long time of hard work that comes before that. And so in a way i was funding my own business by still working so i was really lucky to still have my job through the pandemic for it to be you know to be able to work from home so i was able to get up early work on my business and then log into work and do a whole work day <laughs> um, kind of all from my from my flat so um, in that sense it's been good in other senses you know the pandemic i'm sure everyone's had their own challenges with it and I think that that aspect of community and and self-support I mentioned earlier that was really difficult I think during the time
0: yeah yeah I mean we were just talking before this podcast started that the flexibility the pandemic has provided to work from home gives you that extra hour at the start and the end of a day where you're not commuting so you can use that time to put towards your business for example
1: exactly yeah so that was in a way helpful
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, brilliant. And kind of at what point in your career did you decide to to turn to coaching?
1: So unofficially, uh, quite a few years ago, probably six or seven, because what started happening is, as I mentioned, I kind of had a name for myself in London as that girl, that does software engineering and iOS stuff. And for those listening, iOS is the operating system on, on an iPhone. I'm sure you already know that, but just saying. And so I started having a lot of coffee meetings. I was introduced because a lot of female founders found it difficult to explain their vision to a tech team. And they thought the solution is to get a, you know, a woman software engineer, like she must understand what I'm trying to say here. And so unofficially, it turned into kind of, you know, giving advice and coaching and how to navigate that that tech space. And then it was a few years later when I thought, you know what, I actually would love to do this properly and officially, and I do think that it's needed. And so I kind of converted that into Menenia.
0: Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. So kind of extending on what you said about coaching, what, what advice would you would you give to students who, who are wanting to get into the tech industry and want to do things to make themselves more hireable whilst still at university?
1: I love that question. That's such a good <laughs> question because, um, unfortunately, I think there are things you need to do that aren't just your, your degree. Um, and you have such amazing opportunities when you're at university to do so whether that's internships or side projects or things like that, I think it's so helpful specifically. Yeah. Let's talk about side projects and networking. Um, things I did when I was at university is we had uh, a computer society and I was also leading, like we had a women in tech society thing as well. And through that we got sponsorship from places like Google and so on and who would send speakers and things. And so we had these events once a month or once every few months and so on. And, Through that, I got to know some really cool people. And it's actually how I got my internship at Adobe because one of their people on their team came to speak at these events and I got to know her. And then I asked about internships and also ask. That's a great (laughs) habit to develop. Um, So I asked about internships and they were a bit like, well, we don't really have one, but we like you. So come and have a chat. And then, you know, I somehow just managed to wrangle an internship. So getting to know people early on, I think is key. um, So that when you need that job or when you're looking to get hired you have a good starting point because some of these jobs get tons and tons and tons of applications and so anything you can leverage to stand out just that little bit is super helpful and as well as side projects and things because people love to see an example of you already having done something and if you're in a non-tech background and you're still interested in going into tech for example um, you can still go to these hackathon events or things like that partner up with other people Um, you know do the research that goes behind what makes a product great like how many people are there out there that need this and so on right There, there are multiple roles that contribute to a successful tech product and successful being in this case it could just be a side project right it doesn't have to become a full blown out company but that you have experience to rely on and to demonstrate with to show listen I'm a great candidate I think is so so helpful and you know, anyone, any student listening will probably laugh when I say you've got some extra time because they're like, what are you talking about? I don't have extra time, (laughs) but you do. Um, so put some of it to good use, not all of it, right. Go have fun as well, but you know, it can be so, so helpful when, when you get to that stage of kind of kicking off your career.
0: Yeah, yeah. And on on the topic of time, I mean, you mentioned earlier that starting your own business can be quite lonely. And also, like, if you are putting extra hours into starting something new, it can be quite exhausting. So how do you, well, for the students listening, how do you find that you manage your time and prevent yourself from burning out, as well as having the energy to stay motivated and balancing all these things at once?
1: That's a great question for a while there I didn't (laughs) uh I think when it comes to time management right it's the main thing to remember is it's choices and every single time you're choosing how you're going to spend a particular bit of time and when I was doing kind of my own business in the morning and then you know and also setting up a podcast and all that stuff and then still working full time um a job that I probably worked over 50 hours a week for anyway it was quite tough. And luckily I was, you know, my uh, my partner, we lived together. So I, I still had someone around me, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't able to dedicate the same amount of time to my health, for example, I was quite active before and I became less active and that was a choice. And now that I do have that time, I'm choosing to spend it on that. And so I think good boundaries really help because for example, um, you asked earlier, like, "Oh, how's your day looking?" Because um, it's a Friday currently, and I purposely take Friday afternoons off, so that I I kind of have that ability to rejuvenate. So, and I try to stick to that really well. Um, so, it's not really earth shattering advice. It's really just just boundaries and um, being just purposeful with your choices. Because it is a bit of a myth that we can do it all and we can balance it all. You can. But not all, all all, all, at the same time.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: there are different seasons of life. And I think that's kind of how I've looked at it. It doesn't mean I'm not ever going to have fun or do this or do that. It's just right now, these are my top three things. And in for a few months time, these other things are going to be my top three things.
0: Yeah. Ultimately, it's just a matter of working out what's good for you to stop yourself burning out because your day is different to my day, is different to listeners' day. But as long as you work out what's good for you to stop to allow you to focus on work, side hustle, and also time just for you to relax is key. Really. Exactly. Yeah. So, moving on to the final couple of questions, but what do you hope the future of the tech industry looks like?
1: I don't know. There's so many so many ways it could go. Right. Like we've all seen a plethora of like sci-fi movies and. What I would love is that it gets more integrated, but still very much in the real world. Maybe I'm a bit old fashioned. I'm not big on the everything futuristic and digital and and VR kind of trajectory. Um, And instead, I, I see it as a huge addition to everyday life, right? More things in the home becoming automated, more things in the car becoming automated, more things being energy efficient and you know, running off solar or things like that, I'm, I'm hoping that technology will, st- you know, choose to solve real-world problems more and more and then also becoming more and more personalized. I mentioned earlier, for example, speech, uh, you know, male speech is recognized uh, so much better than, than female speech, for example, and that really takes away from the magic of tech, right? You want to be able to step into your car and say, hey, call, call my sister And when you have to do that six times because it doesn't recognize your voice and then you lower your pitch and then suddenly it gets it on the first go, that's not really a nice experience. And I think as well, that's how you lose faith in technology. And you think, well, it's just rubbish. It doesn't work. It's not for me. And so we have that possibility with machine learning and AI to train on such a wide set of data to create such personalized experiences that I do hope that we do that. And so that tech can feel great and magical and like a beautiful addition to everyone.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's an exciting time really for the future of tech. (laughs) And (laughs) there's one final question. Um, If you could leave one final piece of advice for anybody wanting to found a tech business, what would it be?
1: One thing. Okay. Prototyping. I I harp on about this quite a lot. And (laughs) it's funny because I haven't mentioned it yet in this, this chat. It, the more you can test your ideas, the better. Like, the more you get into the habit of developing a an hypothesis and being like, gosh, okay, apparently I'm operating under the assumption that people do this or that they want this or that they think this way. Um, because that's ultimately why you're creating a certain product, right? It's like, oh, this business needs this from me or this person needs this from me. And that might not always be true. <laughs> so, getting into the habit of testing your hypotheses regularly and then kind of you know course correcting off the, fa- off the back of that is really helpful and with that you know skills like putting a design together or a sketch on paper and then testing that with people before you go and spend lots of time and money on getting you know a full build um and actually developing the whole thing the more testing you can do up front the better so yeah prototyping
0: Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been it's been a pleasure speaking with you today, Maxime. And uh, I'm sure our listeners will have benefited hugely from everything you've had to say.
1: Thanks so much, Alex. It's been a real pleasure being here.
0: <laughs> no, no worries. And just uh, I'm sure our audience would love to know where they can where they can find you if they have any further questions. So do you have any social media you'd you'd like to plug our listeners into?
1: Absolutely. So the website is minenia.com. And if you're wondering how the heck to spell that, I'm sure it'll be in this show notes. <laughs> And um, then there's a podcast as well. If you find this really fun, you might like uh, the podcast that I do for, um, it's targeted towards female founders, but it's helpful for anyone looking to get into tech. Uh, It's called Cutting Through Tech.
0: Brilliant. Thanks so much, Maxine. Speak soon.
1: Thanks. See you soon.
0: Bye. Bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to Passion and Hustle podcast. If you want to find out more from the speakers or what we do here at Westminster Enterprise Network, then head over to our social media channels at underscore we network with new episodes being released every two weeks. You'll be able to continue listening and getting inspired along your own journey of bringing your passion project to life.